51 of Rumor Requirement, a podcast dedicated to reason and resilience in the time of Trump. I am one of your co-hosts, Kamala Shrau, and with me, as always, is... I'm Miracle Jones. And Alexis Wright. It's been a month. <laughs> it's been a it's month. Been a month. <laughs> since we've, we've Whoa, yeah. That's crazy. Time like, flies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's been like vacation month, right, though, right? Like, everybody and we did have away. an uh, unrepo- unrecorded podcast or two. Yeah. The yeah. secret boys-only podcast well, is a requirement. I mean, <laughs> but we didn't record it. You weren't around. So yeah. So it's like, what's the point it's, without you? Oh, yeah. We still wanted to talk about very, politics. So we talked about it's, politics, but yeah, since yeah. you weren't there, we didn't record it. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Well... Hard to say. Oh, uh, Kamalesh, I mentioned this to uh, Miracle Jones, but I'm thinking of throwing an election party oh, yeah? for the actual election in November, and I was yeah. like, I feel like this might be a fun room of requirement yeah, event. Like yeah, like live results. Yeah, like sure, yeah, 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 yeah we'll that. do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, wait, it's like this would like, be at your place. Like, uh, I was thinking of getting a hotel room. Yeah, oh, maybe awesome. a hotel party. Yeah. Hope style. Old yeah, style. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but how have you guys been otherwise? Uh, you have a migraine today, right? Uh, yes, I, well, not anymore, but I took, um, a combination of prescription and non-prescription meds that have managed to keep my migraine in check, which is helpful, and then I lay down for an hour in total darkness, and now I'm feeling way better, so yeah, yeah, yeah. not having a migraine is very exciting. What do you, what do you, what's your, how often do you get these things? What's like that? Um, I would say between one and three times a month depending on the details um you know uh if i can catch it right at the beginning when it's like just starting to happen i can uh, take some sumatriptan which is like a prescription migraine medication and it sometimes kills it sometimes doesn't um and otherwise you just ride it out Um, you get migraines, right? Yeah, but not that often. And it's like, I mean, maybe I get like one or two a year. How um, much? Uh, uh, nope. Uh, yeah, I've never had one. Never really had a migraine. Oh, you, yeah, like headaches, right? Like everybody does, right? Uh, very, very rarely. Really? Uh, maybe like some weird weather things, but I, I rarely get. But yeah. So anyway, migraines. What do you? What do you <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> How's your family? Fine. 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 <laughs> uh, actually, I was sick uh, this week, uh, which oh, may oh, why I, I probably. I came down with kind of like uh, a cold that wasn't like I uh, I didn't have to like l- like skip work, yeah. but I basically went to work, came home, and slept yeah, yeah, for like yeah, yeah, two yeah, or three yeah. days, and so um, yeah, I was pretty sick for the first part of this week, and I think I've finally recovered. I'm going to take a nice long nap of about 8 to 12 hours tonight. <laughs> and then, um, but I, I was definitely sick. I think I owe you a couple of uh, messages. Um, in the oh, oh, yes, I'm interested <laughs> to hear. Yeah, Wait. but I, I apologize for not being quite on uh, as on top of things as I used to be. No, or so I was, but yeah, it was just like a, it was just like a seasonal flu. Like, yeah, because yeah, it got kind of uh-huh. messy and rainy and cold mm-hmm. last weekend and yeah, it probably yeah. caught something towards the end. But, um, uh, I think I'm perfectly uh, recovered. Um, Did you ever have like a fever or anything? I had a little bit of a fever on the first yeah. night or two. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it was fine. I, Glad I, to yeah. hear you're doing better. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, I muscled through it. I didn't have to like miss work or anything. Yeah. Um, the other thing that is only semi interesting is uh, 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 Angela is actually out of town for this weekend. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. She, so she left yesterday, and so she'll be back on Monday. But uh, I have the weekend to myself, um, on which I am uh, going to be uh, uh, celebrating by being on Mouse Patrol because we have the loudest mouse <laughs> in New York City. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, they're not very shy around here, are they? <laughs> yeah, 
it's their it's their city too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ex- and I think it's their apartment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um. So like, is is uh. So uh, there's a whole thing like uh today, and I had the super come in, and we uh and he put down like six huge traps because mm-hmm. like the last three rounds didn't work. Do you know where they're getting in from? Uh, we don't know because okay. he sealed up pretty much everything. I have a very like, good super. You're on like the fifth floor. I'm on the yeah. I'm on wow. the, yeah yeah yeah. It's it's kind of rare. Um, to be fair, we have like kind of a stacked pantry, but uh-huh. I've like locked uh-huh. it down all the food uh-huh. as far as I know. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be cleaning. I'm going to be demalsifying. Probably just doing some coding. It'll be like a good weekend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One night and you become like a code bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever tried that? <laughs> no. 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 The taste isn't terrible. It yeah. tastes a little bit like like thinned out pancake batter. So yeah. I, yeah. I learned very early in my... So I learned very early as an adult how to cook. Yeah. <laughs> and so like it's very... And especially once I met Angela. But like up until then, like I, I can just cook for myself. So like there's nothing that's... And if you get good at it, you get there and you're like, oh, my food is delicious. Like, yeah. I, because you could learn but to like cook. But, like, then you have to do yeah. dishes. Yeah, I was a dishwasher. That was my first job. So Aww. I don't mind that. So Dish- like that. Dishwashing is soothing. Cooking yeah, it's soothing. Relaxing. It's actually, yeah. Oh, I yeah, don't yeah. find it soothing at all. Yeah. Dish- d- dishwashing is how I kind of, like, like tune out. It's your relaxation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Same way. It's uh, like, I can always get a job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Also, it's just, like, it's, like, satisfying to return things to order. <laughs> yeah, hello, I don't know, man. I neither, like cooking nor dishwashing so i'm uh i'm i'm in the minority here if you've had it for a job like you've had to do it frantically where you're just like we eat cups we need like yeah. and so like and so now like when like, you just sit to do a nice leisurely yeah yeah, yeah. you're just like you're furiously doing something throwing in the autoclave when you're just like i'm just gonna wash this dish for however long i want oh so, <laughs> kind of satisfying how are you miracle jones yeah miracle uh, jones. yeah i'm okay i've just been working a ton. Yeah. i just work been working non-stop like i don't really know how to stop working I'm now and I'm, I'm fighting people for more work so I can you know like I'm yeah. sending out emails like I need more work to do so that I can pay rent so yeah it's kind of a, it's kind of a rough time but that's all right I'm, I'm managing it so but uh, we put out a new book this week my publishing company did Ooh. so that's exciting yeah uh, what's it about uh it's a trans sci-fi uh anthology from this uh, Pacific Northwest writer Calvin Gimplevich. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Invasions. It's really fucking good. Like some of the stories in there are great. There's one called Rent Don't Own, which is about. Um, it's a sci-fi story about somebody who uh, is a professional. Work. It's a, it's at a in a world where you can you know swap consciousness with other people. Mm-hmm. Her, uh, her uh, her job is to exercise for people. Yeah. No. So you swap bodies with her, and then she goes to the gym for you. Yeah. And she's like a war vet, uh-huh. so her body is like missing an arm, so she just likes the idea. Yeah, of like, being able to do it. Yeah, it's into it, and she, oh, she's like, cool it's really, concept. it's really fucking good. Did you? Uh, should we move on to <laughs> yeah, <the> politi- politics? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, so I mean, the big news today. Maybe we start with that and then move backwards. Sure. Uh, is the flipping and the plea deal of Paul Manafort with the Mueller investigation, right? Well, so what I think is really interesting because I've been thinking about the implications of this is right. So Manafort was in the Trump Tower meeting, right? Yeah. And who else was in the Trump Tower meeting? Well. Don Jr., right, um, some translators, and some Jr. Russians. Kushner. Kushner, right, yeah. Kushner. So assuming that Kushner and Don Jr. don't flip, what does this do? What I think is fascinating about this is how much it power it gives the Russians, right? Because, like, what happened in that meeting is now a he said, she said between 
on the one hand, Don Jr. and Kushner. On the other hand, Manafort. And then with the deciding third party being like five Russians who were in the room. They get to pick the winner. Yeah, yeah. right? And so I, I, I think this is like the really interesting aspect of potentially Manafort flipping, right? Is where all of that falls out. Thoughts, guys? <laughs> Yeah, what do you think? What do you think? Um, I think of it as a step back. So I'm not exactly sure what he knows, so it's hard to assess, right? I also think I don't understand that much about the prosecutorial process yeah, to either. say that, okay, well, this is this is fast, this is slow. Um, I would recommend uh, a podcast called All the President's Lawyers, LRC. It's um, uh, hosted by Josh Barrow, who's someone I really like. Um uh, and he and he hosts co-hosts this particular podcast um, about all the president's legal issues um, with a lawyer. Um, and so uh, Ken, I forget his last name, but anyway, tweets under Pope hat. Um, he's really good. Um, uh, and so, uh, but I think in general, he's said that the the special prosecutor is moving at just record speed. So it's not slow. Um, trying to figure out how the strategy and the pacing, some of this is tactical, some of this is just, it's ready when it's mm -hmm. ready. Um, some some of it is strategic. Um, so I don't know enough about that world. Um, what I think about is having what, I think there's this sort of slow grind um, against a lot of the inner circle of mm -hmm. the Trump presidency or the, the level of confidence. And that's never good, right? So, uh, so these are small, slow, methodical victories against Trump's inner circle, um, and I think that's telling. And I and you can read too much into this, and I, there's always a, a danger. But I think if anything, the sort of approval ratings where Mueller is going up slowly and Trump is uh, winding down slowly or declining slowly, I think the court cases, the fact that I think a lot of people were not necessarily trustful of the media narrative and wanted to see how things played out, but mm -hmm. now the courts are actually handing down indictments and people are found mm -hmm. guilty or yeah. or in some ways pleading guilty. I think that is eroding the popular um, estimation of Trump or the willingness to give uh, him the benefit of the doubt. And the stakes are, are, are raised here because now Trump can't just pardon Manafort, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and he can't just fire Bob Mueller, right? Like, I mean, if he could before, the, the, it seems like the possible political consequences or costs have, have risen. And I think that's how I approach it. Yeah. If Trump were smart and not, like, visibly and volubly sexist, what he would say is, the reason I won president the begins and ends with Kellyanne Conway, right? Mm -hmm. He would say, like, she is the, she was the brains, she was the person out there defending mm -hmm. me most effectively, mm -hmm. and she is the, you know, she, end of story. Like, yeah. He would give everything to her, right? Yeah. And because she's kind of, you know, unimpeachable. Uh, she's a, a known quantity. What she did was out there for public display, right? right. Mm -hmm. We all saw what she did for yeah. it, right? And she was, you know, extremely effective in everything she did. I was impressed by her all the time. Yeah, she's, yeah. She's brilliant. She's visibly brilliant, right? Whereas everybody else he deals with or who has dealt with him is just kind of a scumbag and yeah, it remains I, to be seen how effective they were ever why defend them why i've hired them in the first place he really only needed her and to, to kamalesh's point i think you know for all that um sort of trump and his administration and the people around him would like to say well these indictments that are being handed out yeah. are not about collusion right they're about other things that have happened in a lot of cases right um but at the same time i think there's sort of a two-pronged effect there where 
on the one hand, like, these indictments are being handed out, right? And then on the other hand, like, he can't keep, like, his hands clean in, in his cabinet, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like, like he just, his appointees just keep on getting caught, like, doing the dirty across, like, various domains of, like, misbehavior that's on the record. And it, it does, I think it clouds his whole orbit, even if nothing's been handed down that is decisive yet in terms of like the ultimate objective of the Mueller investigation so I think that's interesting yeah and kind of where I was going with this is like would you would anybody who is going to work for the Trump campaign in 2020 right <laughs> like five people have been indicted <laughs> well, right, right? Like, I mean who's he going to what kind of talent is he going to get right like, right I mean I think this is just the an exaggeration of his problem to date right yeah. so I mean he is surrounded by a coterie of extremist incompetence, yeah. right? So and he people doesn't who support the people who are good, is what I mean. Like, right, he yeah. can't, he, he wants right. chaos and, yeah. and the ability to tear them down at any given time, right? So he doesn't know how to build, like, good relationships. He can't build a team. He it's can't not, build a team. Yeah. He can't maintain a team. He doesn't know how to do that. Not That's very clear. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Kellyanne Conway's interesting. I wonder, because she's still part of the Trump administration. Sure. Um, I wonder if she gets promoted. And I, I wonder why she hasn't been before, but I also think that there may be flaws in that relationship or how she's functioned or handled herself that may not be obvious to us yet. Like, I mean, there's... I don't think he's... He is definitely... Um, he's definitely got some issues with women, but if she were competent in a way that he recognized being competent, I feel like she would... Yeah, but what kind of... What does he recognize as competent? That's uh, that's where I'm sort of hedging my bets Because here. Because military-looking guys, we know, he recognizes yeah. as competent, but, like, are there other... Sort, formats yeah. of or a sort of icons of competence that he that he recognizes like are we I mean I think he what's he impressed by right uh, businessmen I think um, uh, he-man types but I think that he's also someone who was comfortable at least to some degree he liked Kellyanne Conway yeah well I, I and, and I'm sure she's much more effective at managing him than many of the other people in his orbit but that's going to be precisely because he's not threatened by her Right? It's possible, yeah. I, She's I, like the nice kindergarten teacher who yeah. can get this young man to behave and like eat his snack and take his nap. Yeah, I think that's also that was Hope Hicks's kind of role yeah. as well. Right. So far less impressive than Kellyanne Conway. It was like sort of she's like the best like fighter pilot I've ever seen. As far as, <laughs> like going out onto like a news show and just like taking people down opposed to Yeah, it's not clear. Them. So at some point she was quite prominent in the press and it's and at some point she was pulled back. And I, I think, think I think they yanked her back after alternate facts. Yeah, yeah, I think she started losing, but I, you know, it's interesting because I think she lost a certain faction, right? And I think it was mm -hmm. the Bannon wing that mm -hmm. she lost to. Yeah. Uh, and Bannon and she certainly clashed. Um, so, I mean, it's beyond Trump's sexism. I think there's she didn't align herself with one faction or another. Yeah, and I, 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 that's lost. True. Yeah. I, I think, think that's why she lost. I think now you have Giuliani in that kind of hot seat that she was in before, right? Which is the, like, let's go out on cable news and say some stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. he's terrible. So, I, 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 I mean, I, I'm not going to take away. I 100% buy that Trump is sexist and therefore there's a cap on how high women can be in his uh and his sphere, if they're not related to him and they're not drop-dead gorgeous. Yeah. I just also think that she is... Uh, it's not clear what's, what faction she lined up with, and she was always sort of an independent agent, so like, I'm not sure if that's... In the end, that may end up working out for her, but it's certainly in the first year and a half, she didn't have a patron, right? Like, And that's yeah. that's something that was really important. She didn't have one of the big factions lining up with her. So. You know, she, she's, not, she's not going down for 
shit she did in Ukraine, right? Yeah. What she's been doing has been the same shit for yeah. 20 years. And she still seems to be keeping her nose clean. Yeah, she's just... going to keep doing it. Like, yeah. she, she would be anybody's top hire. She's like the only draft pick from the Trump administration. I mean, right? to be like, fair, like, campaign to be fair, if I wanted to hire someone out of the Trump administration who was like, sh- had shown herself to be like a real trooper, like, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, for all that, like, I don't like what she has to communicate, like, she's loyal. She's loyal yeah. and like, she, she seems to think pretty fast on her feet in terms of how she's responding to people as well. Yeah, that's the, that's the one counter against Kellyanne Conway. It's not... I think he sees Sarah Sanders as being successful. I think that's there's something about her, and she's not drop-dead gorgeous, but he sees her as a fighter. Yeah. And I think there's there are certain mo- there's certain women that he really respects. So I, I don't know. I think Kellyanne Conway had some weird set of politics that, that she didn't play right. Right, but so does Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I mean, at the end of the day, she's an evangelical, right? Like that's gonna that's a huge problem in the media world. Like no, but I, th- I think within the cabinet, she's fine, right? What do you? I'm not sure what. Like I would hire I'd hire Kellyanne Conway to work for a Democratic campaign. Like if she was right. if she was like an amoral like agent, right? Just like based on well, she was a skills. New York Republican, so yeah. I actually don't think I think she could run a, a Midwestern Democrat. Yeah, right, right. right. For I, I mean, there are a couple of things like. Yeah, someone who's just on 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 the red side of purple. I think. Yeah, yeah she could run. I wasn't terribly impressed with her messaging. Really? Yeah. I, I think I, she doesn't do messaging well. But I, yeah. if he, when she was in New York, for example, she was on New York One a lot, and she came out as like, I I remember being like, oh, that's someone who's sharp, right? Like she was a okay. good pollster. I thought. I she mean, had, I I I don't know if she's a good pollster. Or not, I, I believe that she she may be, but in terms of like like someone to hire on like. Strength of ability to sort of, I don't think respond commu- to things on the fly and like handle messaging. Like I don't. Yeah, I don't think she's a great communicator. Yeah. That's the thing. Like I don't think she's a great communicator. I think she can run an effective campaign. Though. Mm-hmm. That 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 I believe. Yeah. That I believe. Um, yeah, um, and I think that was part of the strategy of the Democrats was to pin his victory on somebody like Bannon, so that Trump would think that was true, so that he would think he was such an asset to him that he would be forever tied to the campaign and therefore when inevitably he was you know he's uh, just maybe. Like a, I think, I think he's you're crediting Trump. Democrats with way too yeah I, I agree I think I don't yeah. think Democrats had that level of foresight I think, I, I think Democrats wanted to blame someone who was awful and there's Steve Bannon yeah and Steve Bannon is pretty oh, wow. awful so you know it's great yeah. I uh I remember at one point I was in an internet argument, which I had somehow gotten into in spite of not being a fan of them for the last (laughs) podcast. And, uh, and someone was like, well, I don't see why you say that Steve Bannon's racist. And I was like, well, here's a quote where he says on the record that he thinks that legal immigration of people from like Southeast at Southeast Asian countries like who just want to come here to do you know white collar professional work may not be a good thing and they're like well I don't see how that's racist and I was like then we may have nothing <laughs> to talk about <laughs> just against human movement <laughs> yeah. just doesn't like travel like, I, I think we're starting with such different <laughs> sets of claims. assumptions here that, uh, that maybe this is not going to be a productive conversation so, so. Do, you, do you guys think that Manafort Thing is going to matter? Do you think it's going to have yeah. an effect? I mean, I think the Mueller investigation moving forward is going to have an It's already having an impact, yeah. right? Um, uh, particularly this close to the midterms. Um, uh, what the ultimate effect is going to be, who knows? But um, Yeah, it's part of a slow grind, like I said. And so I think it'll have an effect. I don't know. There, it's possible Manafort has some big tell, but I think it's... 
worst case scenario, I think it's just part of the slow grind against uh, the inner circle. And so once Manafort is lined up, then I can't help but thinking I can't help but think uh, one of the sons or the son-in-law Kushner, comes maybe, in. Yeah. Kushner or or Don Junior. Don Junior is uh, next. That's that's how I would think a, pro- uh, a prosecutor works. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the. I'm, I mean, if you're this book Collusion by Luke Harding, which I recommend oh, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. I, to, to everybody. Uh, it's he was the former head of the Russia desk at the Guardian, uh, and it, a lot of it is about Manafort's time in Ukraine and what he actually did for uh, Yanukovych, Jan, Viktor Yanukovych, mm-hmm. and against Yulia Tymoshenko, and it is hard to read. It's fucked up. Like that is he's that's treasonous as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Like he actively works against like American intelligence in Ukraine for money and he, he To wins. buy terrible suits. Yeah, and he does a good job. He's great at it. Like yeah, it's hard to say a, why, but yeah, I mean he's an amoral he, Yeah. I guess a more manipulator of poli- uh, the Democratic politics. Something that's posited in collusion, which hasn't really got a lot of attention, but which I, I think is probably true, is that uh, some people suspect he was playing both sides, like he was working as an American asset in mm. Ukraine in order to tamp down Yanukovych, to keep him to a, like, because if it was inevitable that he was going to win, or that Ukraine yeah. was going to have this uh, upsurge of yeah. populist, you know, thinking, and Russia was going to be in there anyway, because they have a reason to be, Yeah. Uh, then Manafort was the American in there, uh, mm. and so he was taking money from everybody, and that's something that he's got on us. Uh, he's got on the prosecutors, and he's got is the extent of his involvement with as an American accent in Ukraine. Oh, that's interesting. I think yeah. it's. Uh, I don't know if I buy it, but that's. I mean, it's, it's a narrative, right? Like, leverage, I mean, you, you need right? evidence, yeah, right? Like, I mean, evidence. that's fine. Anyone can spin stories. That's the whole point of a mystery, right? Yeah. yeah. But if it would explain some details and facts about the sure. leverage that he has with respect to where he is now. Up until now, I mean, like, yeah. so it's not clear. Up until now, right? Right. right. Because not, now that he's been yeah, indicted, exactly. He's, uh, the moment he decided to work for the Trump campaign, yeah, it became. Game, then it's like, well, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. Why are you? You're not our guy in the Trump campaign, right? Uh, anyway, uh, I also recommend Collusion. It's an yeah. interesting book. Um, should anybody else have anything to say about Manafort? 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 Nope, none. No, yeah. uh, if Trump doesn't pardon Manafort, which at this point I think we assume he's not going to, yeah. I don't um, think, I think the psychological impact of that for the rest of his inner, inner circle would be interesting. Yeah, you know, but like his inner circle has been reduced to people he related to. Well, that's what point. makes it interesting, yeah. right? Because at what point, how deep does Donald Trump's love go? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, yeah. to what extent can he feel that normal human feeling toward his offspring or others in his orbit? Mammalian feeling. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like... Let's say Don Jr. is in legal trouble, right? Yeah. You know, let's just say he, like, perjured himself or whatever. Um, how politically inconvenient does it have to be to Donald Trump for that to be the case before he is or is not willing to pardon his son, right? Oh, I think he'll instantly pardon his son. Because I think that the question isn't necessarily about how he feels for his son, but how much his son can roll up against him. Right, that's a, that's a huge vulnerability. That's that would be my point. I, I think that he's he's going to be. He may play it off. He may even think about it as being a father looking out for his son. Yeah. But in the end, I think that's the real vulnerability. Right. Once the son is taken 
into federal custody or is being looked at in any real and open way. Yeah, that's that. I mean, yeah, or the establishment of a precedent that the family members of of uh, the president are also shielded from, you know, crimes. Yeah. Until the president is no longer president. Mm-hmm. Right? Which, I, think yeah. I, I mean, there's a case for that. I don't. I don't like that case. I don't think the president should be immune from crimes either. Uh, crime should be defined differently for the president, but there should be some apparatus for. Yeah, I was going to say the the difference between Manafort and. Cohen, right? Manafort is the clear through line to Russia, whereas Cohen is the through line to like personal corruption and all sorts of conceivably really including Russia. But also, Russia. Russia. I mean, his wife is. That's uh, true. There's yeah. some. I find that, but I think that it's very clear that Cohen is is much more about dodgy finances and and weird deals, and uh, Manafort is much more about um, some sort of Russian connection. So th- those are two different narratives, both of which are. Neither of which make Donald Trump look good, but I think yeah. those are two different outcomes. It's a bad day for him. Yeah, it's uh, not a great day. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess we'll see. Uh, so, do we think Donald Trump's going to get primaried in 2020? Uh, Absolutely not. No. You don't think so? No, the Republican Party is locked into Donald Trump. I, do I think it's once they walk you away. You don't think anything could happen that would. I think that nothing could happen. He could. You could release the P tape, and he would <laughs> still be able to make. I mean, people. There may be some sad. I mean, to me, like I feel like of all of the accusations of crimes or or whatever else may or may not have happened, uh, the P tape would be among like the least offensive, right? Like, oh look, he has some desire that's not just like power and like adoration. <laughs> yeah, it's like that Onion article. It depends on how hot it is. Like, if it's really hot, (laughs) that's a real problem for Democrats. Yeah, what what if it was Pence? What if he's primaried by Pence? And Pence turns on him and says, I I know all this shit about him, I'm running for president. I mean, I think that's a a what if that seems so far down the line. I think Pence knows that he can't run and be popular. Like, there's something I believe about Pence, which knows the limits to his popular appeal. Yeah. Um, I think he's really hoping that Trump will step down or be impeached. Yeah. Yeah, I think Pence sees his political fortunes maybe becoming the president as being tied as close as he can to someone who is really popular like Trump. Right. Because he doesn't have that appeal. He's just not charismatic. And I think the truth is that the Republican Party is... For better or for worse, there's no way they win elections without Trump at this point, and I think they've all kind of recognized it. Uh, He may be declining return on investment by the day, but I'd be there's still his a depreciating asset. He's a depreciating asset, (laughs) but it's still like they've got nothing without him. I mean, at this point, how much of the Republican base is on board for the idea that it should be a crime to like pressure people to flip? Right, like, yeah. so if you outright turn on the president, but who wins an election between Pence and Bernie Sanders? Oh, do we want to talk about Bernie? Well, I mean, just like I hear Bernie's making another run at it. Of course he will, but like I think Bernie Sanders would win. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, mean, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, I mean, I mean, they're terrible in different ways, but and but it's clear. I think um, you will have another generation of Trumpist Trump Trump would-bes or wannabes mm-hmm. yeah. come up um, before you have someone like Mike Pence taking over the Republican Party. And, I mean, again, we've talked a lot about this, right? So there's such a strong identification 
with Trump, right? That stuff doesn't go away. Like, you have to give them excuses to walk away from Trump. And that is a process of gradual, lower-order disappointed expectations. How about, how about this crazy-ass scenario? Sure. Okay. I'm ready. Democrats take back the Senate by one, one, one vote. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Joe Manchin flips to the Republicans in order to give the Republicans back the Senate. Okay. And then okay, okay, but what about... Primaries Trump runs for president. Right? Manchin, yeah. primaries Trump? Yeah. I don't think he's popular outside of West I, Virginia. I don't think... I mean, like... But that's his deal. It's like, I will primary Trump if, you know, you support me flipping... You know, who needs way. to support him flipping? Yeah, but so well, primary totally means... be it. they didn't want him to flip, right? Mm-hmm. If the Democrats take back the Senate, mm-hmm. that's going to be a huge push on Manchin. But I, I, uh, again, like I mean, we're, I think we're thinking about it in terms of leaders or donors yeah. or things like that. Who has the real connection to the popular base? And I think it says something about Trump's connection to, to, a part of the Republican base that. Yeah, Manchin's not going to be able to wrestle that away from them. They will still vote for Trump. I mean, primary means that it's an effective primary, yeah. not that you just run. I mean, I well, think you'd be running to hurt him. I, I think getting rid of Trump is going to be a question of looking at actuarial tables, right? Yeah. Like getting rid of Trumpism in the party, right? Well, because it just takes one wedge. Because, like, say Manchin's in this <laughs> primary, right? Yeah. Then that's going to split the vote, maybe, with the Trump vote, and then somebody else stands a chance, like Kasich or somebody to come in, no. and, like. I just don't think that I don't think okay. that's the scenario. I think you 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 run to the tr- the Trump of Trump, right? right? Like like not it's not right or left anymore, but you're right. You become a more Trumpian candidate. That's yeah. that's how, where that party is going. You know, like somehow he's disappointed us, but I'm the real a matter baby boomer. Yeah, well, fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Someone with dark like world right there. <laughs> soldier anti-immigrant. Episode one thousand twenty of Room of Requirement. Well, I here e- we are. Here, <laughs> <laughs> here we are with, in the underground. <laughs> yeah, still dealing with. Yeah, yeah. Imagine yourself like some combination, like Tom Cotton, but with charisma. Yeah, anti-immigrant. Yeah. Uh, military background. Right. Uh, smart um, yeah. and competent. Yeah, Tom Cotton with charisma. That's that is that is the person who takes over from the Trump wing. I mean, I think you also are, the problem is that the Republican is lurching. Uh, that person is lurching far to the right. Um, Do they win? I mean, I mean, I think no, no, I think at yeah. that point the. the problem that party is facing now is just like there's only so much you can gerrymander right like like yeah. past a certain point there's just literally not <laughs> enough people there's a, there's a lot of states you can just sure but then i mean but 2020 is coming out so yeah. i mean like this this gets this is it's gonna i i don't know i i feel like there to everything yeah. there's season and i think there may be the great blue gerrymandering wave is 2020 i mean i feel yeah. like I feel like Democrats are baking a pro-enfranchisement position into the party that I'm for, and I hope it stays even yeah. after it no longer benefits them, because I think Democrats should be pro-democracy. Yeah. Somebody should be, right? Yeah. 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 It's, um, but as defined by Silicon Valley data analytics, that will be sold to each state <laughs> that will divide up your party as congressional districts according to a iron law. Maximum vote efficiency? Yeah, maximum yeah. vote efficiency with some standard coefficient that is, you know, adjudicated by I'm, the Supreme I'm Court. for it. That's the kind of technocracy I'm into. Right, but at that point, then, you know, whoever runs that has a lot of power, right? Well, but the no, whole point... The whole the, Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> open source. You, yeah. could, you could check yeah. the math. Yeah, the whole thing about math is that it's math. Yeah. It should work the same no matter who does it. Right, I mean, yeah. so... Yeah, that's true. But I mean, it's a, it is it's implemented by people, right? Mm-hmm. It's used by people, right? I mean, you should have transparency. Yeah, yes, I agree. I and I don't think you're going to be able to trails. do it without transparency.
Do you guys uh, want to talk about the House? The election, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Still okay, yeah. so, all right. So, House and Senate race is coming up. Um, looking pretty good right now for Democrats on the House front. Miracle yeah. Jones thinks that we can take the Senate. And, and Nate Silver. One in three chance. Right? One in three chance. That's pretty good. That's pretty, that's, that's twice I mean, as good as Trump's odds. I mean, that's way better than we deserve this year. Yeah, it's, it's twice as good as Trump's odds, right? Uh, no, actually, uh, Nate Cohn said it was one in six. Nate Silver said it was about one in three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, so about the same. About the same as Trump's yeah, odd. Yes, yeah, but yeah. again, yeah. Yeah, it's still pretty good, right? Like, I mean, better is, is it better than you thought it would be? One in three is better than I thought it would be. Yeah, yeah I was thinking it was one in five, one in six. But yeah, so that's fine. One in three is, is better than I think it would be, but it's still, the odds are not in your favor. Yeah, right. but the odds are, are decidedly in our favor for the House right now, knock yeah. on wood. Mm -hmm. So right. um, that's pretty exciting. Nancy Pelosi for speaker. Um, <laughs> 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 But yeah, um, so it's you think a, she should still be speaker of the house? I disagree. Yeah, um, I absolutely do. Yeah, um, I think she's very effective. I think she is a woman. I think this is the time to have at least one woman at meetings of congressional and executive leadership. Um, well, she could be. If you want to suggest me an alternate feasible, yeah, sure, but, sure. Yeah, I mean, that's a I think that's a fair play. I don't know. Nobody comes to mind. Or you know, if you want to give me a you know a Senate majority leader, I'd, I'd take a Republican who was a woman. I could see like, a, I could see a more of a case for Chuck Schumer going than Nancy Pelosi. He has yet to like, prove that he is good at his job. I'll and and that. for the record, I'm not I'm not saying this purely along gendered lines. It's not like I think any woman is better than any man. Yeah. But. I think at least one woman is a fair ask, and I also think particularly in congressional politics, what we have seen in the last decade is that women in Congress have slightly different priorities than men in Congress, and to me that representation matters. You see it a lot on health care in particular, yeah. um, and, uh, and I think it's good. I think Demo it's a good thing. Democracy itself. Well, I'm on the record as being pro-women Wi-Fi and weed in 2018, so I cannot argue, but you have a, you have a case to make. Well, I mean, I... I think that it's there are two things to be. Uh, there are probably three things. There are three criteria. Um, one is effectiveness. You're absolutely right. I mean, I don't. I also don't want to downplay gender. Mm -hmm. um, and you're saying this if she wins, by the way. Um, yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If she loses, you would be amenable to the idea of Nancy Pelosi being retired. If they lose the house. Oh, if they lose the house. Yeah. If they lose the house, I mean. Then yeah, it, she would have to go, yeah. right? Like politically, I think yeah. there's only so long you can be minority leader before, especially in like a year like this. Yeah. If they if they lose the house when the narrative is we were supposed to have a wave election, yeah. she's that, not staying, yeah. Yeah. right? I think so. Other than so, let's say uh, gender is one issue. I think race is another issue, mm -hmm. and age is another. So mm -hmm. I think yeah. two out of those three mm -hmm. don't really play, play in our favor. Mm -hmm. uh, the problem is that I can't think of someone who is going to fill some of those categories and at the same time be effective. Mm -hmm. So I don't have Ted, Ted Lieu. Ted Lieu is interesting, but I still don't see him as being effective. He's not. Yeah. A, there's, I mean, like, like Nancy Pelosi is remarkably effective, right? I'm not just, like, in her court because she's a woman. Nancy Pelosi is remarkably effective. Of all of the actors on Capitol Hill, she's one of she's my favorite to watch. Yeah, no, right? she's like, a cat herder. I'm, just, I'm yeah. playing devil's advocate yeah, yeah, yeah. here. I'm pro-Nancy Pelosi. I think, so, I, so, like, I think we want somebody younger on its own is not a good enough argument. And I'm saying this as someone who's not super into all older people yeah. in the halls of leadership, but in this case, Nancy Pelosi with me wins a carve-out. Yeah, I, so I think that's that's fair, but I also think that 
it would be nice to know that the Democrats have produced a bench. And, yeah, I and would like to see a bench. It would be nice to see like a bench of talent ready to go, but I don't, I don't see it right now, right? I mean, the right. Republicans are having a similar problem, as we were talking about a little bit earlier prior to the podcast, which is like they can't nail down somebody for majority leader for Republicans if they win the House. They, it's it's like right. a... Yeah, yeah it's or, like, or if they lose. It's Lord of the Flies over there, there, right? Like McCarthy can't take it. Like Scalise tried. He he can't get a clear like majority of votes behind him. And now uh, Jordan's throwing his hat in and he just can't produce the votes either so far well i mean if i'm if i'm a republican i would make my move after all of the moderates are out after the election right? sure, sure so yeah. if all the moderates are about to lose their seats yeah yeah you don't make your pitch as like i'm the i'm the yeah i I'm mean the they're all like, courting the freedom caucus yeah, right? right or in the freedom caucus yeah, but at the end of the day i don't know it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens but yeah it doesn't seem like either team has a deep bench of talent. I will say I think the Democrats are bringing in younger people in this election yeah. who could grow into like a really talented leadership, but... But what seems to happen is they get disinterested with politics because it's not what they think it's going to be and they move into the private sector and become lobbyists or go into tech and so they like mm-hmm. Obama brought in a ton of young people too and they all like didn't well, go For sure, politics. but that's just the nature of it, right? Like, they, I they will stay. say this though. I think that the people who I mean, are right, running yeah. for office right now, I do think that watching the Trump election left people with a certain flavor of trauma that's going to incline them to be politically active Right. Across but, more of their political career than maybe people who watched I, Obama win and then were disappointed. But not everybody is going to be representing Vermont. That's the problem with the people. Like the, the, mm-hmm. In order to be effective politically, you have to like the dirty griminess of it. You have to be able to make deals and govern effectively. Yeah. And like you have to see things from both sides. And yeah, like, you have to be able to represent your people your beyond people. just yeah. a wave. Exactly. And, yeah. I also think that the argument about the Democratic Party finally pulling in young blood also makes... Nancy Pelosi's tenure perhaps a little shorter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, well, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's I yeah. you can say that what you want, but I think it's a hard it's going to be a hard pitch. No, but, I agree. I yeah. agree. I I'm not saying I think she's guaranteed to win majority leader, although she is effective. And this yeah. is of course assuming Democrats win, which fingers crossed. Um, but it's like 7 out of 9. It's looking yeah. it's looking good, but I don't like to take things for granted sometimes things that happen two out of nine times happen yeah what is what is nancy pelosi want like that's the thing what is she after you know she's if she takes that if we take the house right democrats take the house i I think she's a practical democratic loyalist i think she wants yeah and i think the one thing about pelosi is she's not someone who's going to be like ah i don't know i think the party's going left but i think our Futures in the center, she'll go left. Yeah, to to a strong yeah. area. Yeah. yeah, she won't. Which I think is good. Like that's yeah. what you're gonna. I mean, I, I think that I think that's where the party right. is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, policy is another choice. Right, right, right. Yeah. As we, yeah. But yeah, so uh, you guys want to talk about any particular any particular races? Well, so like the Senate, like it's, yeah. a, it's yeah. you know I think I think the I think uh, the Beto campaign is doing exactly what it's supposed to do, which is being the Alamo. Mm-hmm. Which is it's drawing a sure. lot of resources. Oh yeah, right. it's just sucking in money from all over the country. Right? Yeah, or from the Republican side. Yeah. Like they're having a fight in a place that they did not expect to fight, which is amazing, and it's and they care up. so much more about the Senate than they do about the yeah. House races. I mean, he may win, he may not. Yeah. I I think he might. I think there's a chance, but definitely, it's making the fights in Tennessee and Nevada easier because they're having to, they're nobody's focusing on. Them. I'm still concerned about Florida. 
Yeah, Florida's... But the Gillum thing is interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. It's bring out people, and if and Bill Nelson was in trouble already, and if people are out there voting for Gillum over DeSantis, yeah. they may click the then button yeah, again, and yeah. Bill Nelson might take it. But Yeah, I mean, that's, that's fair. Right? If I there's a wave, yeah. I mean, people tend to vote ballot, like a straight-line ballot, but... Yeah. It's, I also I also think you know some of, some of the recent Trump comments are not going to play particularly well in Florida. Um, yeah. I feel like this is not a good time in Florida to be downplaying the mortality numbers from Puerto Rico after Maria, right? Right. I mean, <laughs> I'm, not, I don't, I'm not saying I think it's going to be a decisive factor. But it's Rick but, Scott. Like, I mean, yeah. that's the problem. He's yeah. fucking Rick Scott. Like, yeah. he no, he runs the Republican machine in Florida. Yeah, okay. He's running again. So yeah. yeah, I think I think that's. I think Florida's up for grabs. Yeah. I think Tennessee's up for grabs. Nevada. I, there are a whole host of these things that I still think that the, the Senate gains, the Republicans gain two seats in the Senate. You think they're going to gain two? two? Yeah. I, I, mean, think I think they're up to 53. I, that, that would be my guess. You think they're going to, High Camp's going to lose and, yeah, and Donnelly in Indiana maybe? One more. I mean, McCaskill? Yeah. yeah. I, so, um, my guess is High Camp, McCaskill. It's, it's as good as yeah. Yeah, anyone's guess. I yeah. mean, but. That's assuming that we don't take any additional That's seats. That's possible, yeah. right? Which mm. is possible, but like you know. Anyway, it would be I, I think the Republicans take about four or five from us, and we take two or three. Right. So the net is yeah. something like that. All right, yeah. All right. yeah. So if we're looking at that reconfiguration, though, the we gain because the states we would gain are way more powerful than the states we would lose. I, I think that's fine. You could make yeah. that argument, but uh, and certainly easier to hold. Right. It's like right. if we're getting Tennessee and Texas for Indiana and Missouri, yeah. deal. <laughs> Fucking, I shook your hand already. <laughs> right. Like I mean, that's a that's a, that's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like that that math may be the same, but the power bit differential is way different. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. right. You want Texas and Florida. Yeah. yeah. You don't. You can you can seed a couple of states. Yeah. But, I mean. Not in the Senate necessarily because right. the math is the same, but like, yeah. But if, if, it, if, but it, if it, it reflects the demography, if it's it, going to go or into, if power. it's a sign of what's to come yeah. for sure. But I don't, I don't know about yeah. yeah, and just raw power, like uh, as yeah. far as uh, I mean, things can teeter about. I, can, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think again a wave election is a wave comes and goes. It's true. Yeah. It's true. But if the if the if if we're trading Southerners for Midwesterners as far as a fighting force, I know who I am betting on. As far as the future of America goes, right? right. I mean, in the South is where people are moving. Yeah, there's more people there's for sure. More human beings. I'm talking about like culturally, and you yeah. know, obviously, my sympathies with the North, but like that. As far <laughs> is, as the, is that obvious? Yeah, <laughs> right, I mean, and Texas. But as far as like glowing places where there's human beings mm-hmm. moving to, mm-hmm. like, did you say I, the, the most interesting thing about the the tracker on 538 is like to me is is. Uh, relative votes power or whatever uh-huh, uh-huh. like who's got whose votes count like obviously ours is like at zero or yeah. like our votes matter not at all in the yeah. great election of yeah. 2018 but north dakota's is 27 times more important than ours are you guys familiar that's with insane. the insane like that's a problem for democracy right like, are you guys familiar with the free state project yeah yeah, 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 yeah. are I'm you familiar? oh so this is like a pact between like 20,000 libertarians yeah. that once they all oh, sign so on they'll move to new hampshire yeah, and vote yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was happening when I was in college. Yeah. That was a real. Man. We should do that with fucking. Uh, with just like colonize I know, I know, a, a Republican Montana, state with like no. Beautiful state. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's empty. Like why? Why are we not all moving to Montana? It's lovely. Just Montana. <laughs> I think the winters are still a little. Hard. It's very cold. Yeah. Yeah, I know, yeah. But surely we could build like you know like 
there's tropical parrots that subsist in <laughs> Brooklyn parks by building enormous nests that keep them all warm. So, you yeah. know. <laughs> with, with self-driving cars, like Montana. Seriously, we could all make <laughs> Sorry, I got a... You I'm in split. Jackson Heights. Uh, uh, 20 minutes yeah. from Flushing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, not I'm not leaving. <laughs> I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. Maybe if we just started an artist. Company. Well, if you're already living in the Pacific Northwest, I don't sure, see right, the difference. Yeah, but I, I can't. Actually, too, I, I would love to live in a place I have much more access to nature, but Aww. not as much as, you know, I want to live in a place where I have much more access to dumplings. <laughs> <laughs> Very well. Yeah. We just we just pack that place with Estonians, Lithuanians, and Latvians after Russia moves into the Baltics, yeah, yeah. and they will, um, you know, they'll love it there. Yeah. So did you want to? I know you do. Do you want to talk about fear? Uh, I want to talk. Well, so I'll. I wanted to talk about a few books rather than just fear because I. Okay. Uh, so I've been uh, actually listening because um, I've been uh, my eyes are needed for other things, but um, I've been listening to a few political uh, books recently all of which have been interesting um so uh rick wilson's everything that trump touches turns to shit or dies yeah, turn, yeah. yeah everything that trump touches dies um i also listened to this town okay uh, yeah uh, that's old one yeah, yeah, so yeah that's yeah. an old one um uh, and then finally fear yeah, yeah. um so um i and so it's it's an interesting collection of books yeah um all of which have something to recommend them, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, uh, and since they're all on Audible, I would, I would recommend. I think Rick Wilson's interesting because he's he's uh, he's a Republican strategist. Um, he has some stuff to say. I think that are, it's interesting to hear from Democratic ears. At one point, he turns a chapter is addressed to to Democrats, telling them that they're bad at elections, mm. um, which to some degree I guess, guess is true. Uh, but he is someone who has. A ton of scorn to heap upon uh, Trump as a person and as a sense, uh, a set of politics and beliefs. And it's kind of fun. It's mm-hmm. and he he reads it himself. Yeah. Uh, and I think cool. he's a fun voice because mm-hmm. um, he just genuinely hates the person. Yeah. Uh, but he's also he's a Republican of the donor class, and so uh, hmm. he's never willing to mm-hmm. acknowledge why Trump is popular within a base mm-hmm. other than they're ignorant and racist, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a cop out for him. Yeah. Um, I think that's. Uh, this town, I think, is also uh, uh, it's an interesting book. I think it was Mark Leibovich. So yeah, Leibovich, Le- Le- Leibovich, yeah. or something like that. And he's he wrote it. I think I think it gets published in two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it's about kind of Obama coming to power, and and the kind of uh, I, there's no other way for it, but like the kind of sleazy, um, uh, revolving kind of party scene around journalism lobby mm-hmm. uh lobbyists and government mm-hmm. and like it's just grotesque it's spe- and, and i think that's uh, it's something that really bloomed in the time of obama even though they were dead set against it so the yeah. to the Boy, best yeah. of their effort yeah. they tried to stomp this behavior mm-hmm. out and it just flourished yeah. um so there's something about the swampiest of the swamps mm-hmm. um and it, it's a fun it's also a fun listen to and, and it's um uh, yeah, it's just interesting that way. Like it's just like all these like little petty like um, characters of of human beings who are like part journalist, part part I don't know lobbyist, part blah blah blah. Yeah. It's who you know, and it, they're all like it. It does feel like like high school turned up, uh, you know, with mm-hmm. actual consequences. Uh, but so this town is is very interesting. And then finally, fear, which uh, we had a, an online spat about, it, and I, I just I was in a spat. It was like, okay, yeah, yeah. we we just I think of fear. I is this sort of um, inside portrait 
um, that what uh, this guy Bob Woodward specializes in. Is it particularly in depth? Is it critical of his people? No, but I just don't expect that. Like, I mean, right. once you have this is the whole trade-off with access journalism, which mm -hmm. I've come to expect. The idea is that you tend to glean certain portraits of people that uh, are are interesting, right? And I think he's more necessary now than he was years ago because like in general it, there's something less intriguing about the Obama administration or the or the Bush administration than there is the Trump administration because it is chaotic and you and there are all these weird factions and and um, currents going on that have been hinted and yeah. have been like you've got little pieces but you needed someone to put it together I'm not saying Bob Woodward is a great journalist I did point this out in our last podcast or in the live podcast yeah I've actually know. I've actually been on a panel with him and I told him he was absolutely wrong about yeah. it <laughs> he was really nice about it but yeah no for sure I mean I just think uh, but I, I think that kind of plotting somewhat middle-of-the-road uncritical access journalism can yield facts and I, I, I going into that I I think that that's fine. I, I I feel like I learned things from this book. That's 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 kind of the key. I don't expect it to be. It's not a. It's not an analysis, right? Like it's. I like to think that access journalists store their notes somewhere that they will be found after they are dead, mm -hmm. so that the full unabridged content of their I think notes had, and annotations. If you had that, become available to historians. Maybe, maybe. I think if you had that sense of purpose and. Yeah, I think they burned them in front of their sources. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but you hated you hated fear at least. Well, I don't like Bob Woodward. I don't like his books. I don't like the way that he does journalism. Um, but I agree with you that he is important, and that is why I read Fear. Yeah, I was like, all right, let's see what Bob Woodward does with this, right? Yeah, like knowing the way that he works, it's like. What the hell? This entire like administration is count like everybody in this book or a lot of them are gone. Right? Yeah. So it's not even after a year, right? Yeah. So his whole thing of like I'm gonna get the inside story and then write the book and then it's already happened, right? Yeah. Like it's gone. Like the only people that are left in there are like Mattis, right? Mattis and it's not clear to me that Mattis is a source. I would say Mattis is not a source. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So everyone left. Yeah. I mean, it's clear like who are the four or five main yeah. contributors are and they're all gone. Yeah. yeah. Porter, Priebus, Cohen, Cohen, Bannon, uh, Bannon yeah. um, uh, and the, there's someone in the Mattis circle I couldn't tell who it was, and then yeah. the lawyer, the Dow, John Dow. Dow, it's clear that Dow, Dow is a source. Yes, for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, but so what's important though is to take yeah. away is that there's something so weak about the Trump presidency as a president sure. that people are countermanding him directly or indirectly one way or the other so yes. Mattis, Mattis stand, effectively countermands him Cohen takes things off his right. desk um, and then finally the the lawyer himself right like I mean uh, Dowd is is there trying to like clown him yeah. effectively into like following good like good advice so like there are yeah. people who are are just there to who exist to like counterman him oh and also like Kelly right Kelly's yeah. there to like he doesn't like where he goes on immigration, so he, he back-channels it. And this is maybe typical for a lot of administrations, but not one that where the center is so weak and arbitrary. And that's the thing that is, wasn't, say, spelled out in Michael Wolf, right? And it's not... It, I, 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 I might disagree with that, but yeah. I, I think it's not clear. It's not, I mean, it, I, think it's, it's, some, I think it's been clear just from the statements the administration has made publicly that that's happening, right? If you watch, like, 
Trump's positions on DACA over time, right? It's like you can see, you can literally just watch who he must have talked to last yeah. based on the most that's, recent things that he said about DACA over time, right? It's pretty well chronicled in the book. I, okay. will, I will give it that is that the narratives that he puts out are, they make sense. Yeah. They're consistent. I mean, I haven't read the book. I'm just yeah. thinking. I, I, so there's, there's yeah. something about like, maybe it's not new, but it is nice to have like a thorough... Synthesized in one place. Yeah. Synthesized mm-hmm. and, and well chronicled as opposed mm-hmm. to like little snippets of rumors, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. And certain people like... Uh, and it is, it is... That is the one thing where you have people directly countermanding him mm-hmm. and feeling entitled to do so because mm-hmm. of who he is. I think that's mm-hmm. yeah. that's something that is sad and crystal clear from the book, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, and that I, I think that's the narrative. Like it's there's I don't think that's that's inconsequential. I, I mean maybe not completely new, but it is something that oh, the Woodward style of journalism really delivers this as opposed to the gossipy like uh, Michael Wolff book or Omarosa or someone someone with half needs to bring like this wow. portrait of, of I don't think Omarosa and Michael Wolff are com- comparable. I mean, Omarosa is not a journalist, for one thing. Michael sure. Wolff was uh, was castigated for burning his sources and for getting facts wrong. But everybody that talked to Michael Wolff was on the record. They were the, what they sure. said was indisputable, right? Yeah. And that's what made it a more essential book, I think, because what they said has effects, had follow-on effects. Like the reason why some of these people are fired is because of that book, right? As opposed to this book where, because everybody saw on deep background, because Woodward writes an entire books, he writes entire books on deep background, yeah. and then puts it, writes it in the form of like narrative, right? Yeah, that, that, I, I have less problem with that, that trick, I guess, yeah. than you do. I, that, to me, that's like offensive. It's like a cardinal. I, I, I understand how, why, it must be done why it's effective and why it works but the reason it works is this trick right where everybody's talking about somebody else right so they're saying things about other people so he's got them on the record about that so what he's printing is the truth of what people said but he's not printing and then he turns that into the truth of what happened which is not right. the same thing as... Well, but so I think that's just that's two layers of unreliable narrators. I mean, as right. a fiction writer, I feel like that's fine. Well, like, as, as a fi- fiction writer, yes, right, right, right. totally fine. But, but instead, what we, if we're doing responsible journalism, what you do is you have what people said, right? They're on the record about it, right? And then that's the story, what they said. You can believe it or disbelieve it, right? And you know where it came from. The source is the source. Like, they said this. The facts might be disputable, but the actual, like, journalism of they said this about this event is true. So when you're doing this with deep background, nobody questions Bob Woodward because he has everybody saying stuff about everybody else, and they don't want what they don't want out is not what they what's true is what they don't want what they said about somebody else become being, being public because it might poison their friendship or poison their relationship or whatever. But what they're mad about, what everybody's mad about, is somebody said something about them that was untrue, right? So everybody's saying something about somebody else that's a lie, and then he puts this together as a pastiche. Right of like everybody else's like, uh, lies. I I I, uh, I I definitely don't read that. I think what it is is it's it's four or five self-promoting narratives, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah right, right. right. But that's Cone is yeah. like Cone gets long passages of yeah. how he's defending, right. yeah. and <laughs> it's fine. Um, yeah. I, but I think that's that's an interesting space, right? Like yeah. you, you never. It's so over the top that you're yeah. never. You're like, oh, and this is this chapter in Rashomon, right? right? Like, I mean, I get but it. That's right? not how it's presented. I hear what you're saying, and I know that we should all be invited to read things like skeptically and stuff like that. But everybody reading Woodward's books doesn't have the same level of like 
insight into how these things happened is like coastal elite. So what happens is you, Woodward becomes the voice of like the record, which when he's like the the person doing the least due diligence as far as what the record is. Ah, that I disagree with. I think I think it's not that he's not doing due diligence, but I. I mean, he's, I'm just saying that whatever he's presenting isn't clean, right? Yeah. Like, I think that's it's fine, but it's I, something. I just don't think it's journalism. Is all I'm saying. I, I think it's reportage. Like, I think yeah. that's fine. I, that's I, I have no problem. The, uh, so there's another thing that I kept coming back to um, uh, with the book, and I, I'm not sure if this is uh, clear in other versions or tellings. Is that um, people, I think, really, and maybe rightfully so. Um, say that Woodward's take on Donald Trump is somewhat more sympathetic than they'd like, um, even though he comes off as kind of yeah. I mean, he become, comes off as Donald Trump, but like, uh, but I think the idea is that Donald Trump does have some main instincts, political instincts, that he doesn't like to stray from. Like he can give and take, um, and the problem is that the Republican Party or the or the I don't know the advantages that the Republican Party took advantage of. Um, Donald Trump to put through things that probably he didn't care about, like tax reform. Right. Um, but when it comes to the three core pillars, immigration, trade, and uh, and pulling away, and yeah. specifically pulling troops out of places, yeah. right? Like, like withdrawal from Afghanistan, withdrawal from South Korea. I think those are things that are close to his heart. And I what about withdrawal from South Korea? That is insane, by the way. Just saying. That's no, insane. I'm in no way defending any of yeah, these policies. I know, I know. I'm just They're all like, terrible I'm just policies. Insane, like, for the record, that's like one of the more insane things I've ever yeah, heard. Yeah, he's how stubborn he is about, about, about pulling out of South Korea. South Korea. That's yeah. crazy. That's I, just crazy. Well, I don't understand why he hates them so much. Yeah. But so the one thing I started is like, this is, these are sort of his core beliefs. He yeah. cannot stray from them. You can get around from him. You can take papers off his desk, but these are his core beliefs, right? Yeah. And I think of him more, and I was like, this guy's a Democrat from the 90s. Like, I just, I feel like this is so, he yeah. is not that far from what the Democrats... According from, to Bannon, by the way. I mean, we're getting, that's what I mean about, like, the No, but I, I, I agree, if this is the, I mean, the, what Bannon doesn't understand is that that's no longer a popular platform. He yeah. thinks that this is going to, this is going to, just speaking these words is going yeah. to give them, I don't know, um... 400 in the electoral college, yeah, right? Yeah. But I, I, there is something core about Donald Trump that never stopped being a Democrat from the 80s. Yeah. And it's just a marker that the Democratic Party is so reviled by him and has moved so to another extreme on immigration that they can't find anything in common with him. Right. Otherwise, trade, 100%, I, I believe they could line up with it. I think from another generation, they could have lined up with him on, uh, on immigration because they would have been in, because of where the unions were. And then finally, pulling troops away and, and getting not involved in wars, that is certainly a democratic platform. And that's something that kept coming back. Like, his instincts for policy, he's unable to execute. It's, it's weird that he, it's, it's who he is as an incompetent human being that he can't make more common ground with Democrats. That's the one thing that I kept coming back to. According to Ben, the, the, the problem I had with the book is, like, imagine that Donald Trump is just screaming and masturbating the entire time, right? He's just a man, that's all he does. Like, you, you leave the room, and he, or you're in the room, and he just, like, screams and masturbates, right? So he's an orangutan, yes. Essentially just an orangutan, yeah. right? Then you have, like, a bunch of people who are, like, in shell shock, trying to figure out, like, like, well, we have an opportunity now. We can tell whatever story we want, like, about this, right? Like, as long as we, like, drug him and put him in front of the camera every four months, like, then, you know, we have 
total impunity to like do whatever we want. So then you have all these power factions fighting, and I feel like that, and, and then spinning their own narratives about what's going on or what's happening or what the future of the Republican Party is. You've got and you've got all these people in and having this internecine war, leaking on each other and shouting sure. each other out and fighting. Like this book didn't feel like that story. This book felt like there was some sense of like. You know, like things were coming down from Donald Trump, and he wanted things, and like well, I, mean, I just I feel don't like, buy it. I don't so, buy that he is. I, I you know, like I'm sorry. so. I, no, 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 it's okay. I, I haven't read the book, so yeah, I don't feel qualified no, to no, comment no, on the sure. book. But in terms of things coming from Donald Trump, I mean, I think in many ways we're still in the same position in this respect as we were immediately after the election when I was yeah. not on the podcast, but I was telling people, well, we've elected someone's racist grandpa. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. like uh, that that man is like you know like he the, wants things. Like right? he he wants things and yeah. he likes to yell about <laughs> things and he's really mad and I think, yeah. you know, there's a big portion of the American electorate that's on board with being really mad and feeling really disenfranchised yeah. all the time. But because we're just we're just not getting a fair deal and that's why no one likes us. Yeah. Right? Um but at the end of the day, you know, He's someone's right. He's literally someone's racist grandpa, yeah. right? That's the president <laughs> right now. He's he's not young. Yeah. He's not very smart. Yeah. He doesn't well, like to read. He likes to watch TV, and he likes to tell people what to do and what he thinks they should do, and why the reasons that the things that he said didn't work didn't work because of other people, right? Right. Like so, I, and I don't see any inconsistency between that person having strongly held opinions and that person being a bag of shit, right? Like, <laughs> it's about like, like the president told me we need to end all wars and like save all these sad children. And I sure. said, maybe we should, but you know what? We have a security. That's a story that makes Donald Trump look good. If does, it was actually, does it? Yeah. Because like, if you believe that there's a certain sort of the population that, believes but you can, that you can agree with, but you wars, can agree with horrible people. You can, but I just don't have any evidence that Donald Trump has ever said that. I mean, he doesn't believe in spending money on other people, which That's effectively true. is what he's international really war that, is, right? But he's never said, you know, he's he's wanted no, military he's promised, grades. He no, he's promised. He about. wanted. He has been critical of the Afghan war. He doesn't understand why we have troop deployments. Right, but in, he's one hundred percent in charge of that. I mean, right, he's incompetent and yeah. whatever. It doesn't. He's ADD and he's way distracted by other things. But yes, I think that there is, insofar as he cares about a handful of policies. So you just don't believe he cares about any handful of policies. You think he's well, a masturbating orangutan. I think he cares. I think there's a huge, the huge missing gap from this book, right? The one thing he ran on, the fucking wall, is not mentioned once, right? Mm. Because it serves Bob Woodward's interest to not talk about it. It serves the Republican Party's interest not to talk about that. Where we're at, at making this wall. Right. I don't think he picks up every policy. So, but maybe that's like the key policy of Donald Trump. That was what he ran on the 21 and more than anything, right? For sure. That was every rally. That was the... It was like bigger than, you know, any... I mean, that was the one thing you could identify completely with Donald Trump, right? Everything else is like subject to negotiation. But this was like a the core policy of the, in, in the Trump administration at its outset, right? And it, it's never discussed. Like I saw, I mean, I have to imagine based on that information that every meeting begins with, "So where are we at with the wall?" And like everybody looks at each other, and like then they. I do feel something. like all of the meetings begin with like, "So Russia's not 
not a thing, right? right? Like That's we don't have anything to worry right? about. You're about spending entire days like watching TV, right? Yeah. yeah. Masturbating and yelling, but that's all. And it's talked about some in this book, but most of it's like left out. Like, well, we try to manage his TV, like, right? You know, Bannon like doesn't understand why he doesn't like observe, you know, enjoy nature, or, like, you know. But the extent to which he like the nature of like the stupidity and incompetence isn't really discussed. You get like the few moments when the president is like lucid and says something because it's being talked about by like Bannon, right? Like he's got an incentive to like sell his agenda, right? So he's like talking about these like moments when the president was like sticking to the Pentagon, right? Which I, I just I don't I see him like looking petulantly at the ground and maybe like you know being bored by the meeting, but I don't see him articulating policy positions. I see Bannon. I mean, I I can see him having yelled about things. Yeah, you know, like he gets he gets impatient. Right, and if it was a responsible book, I see the person saying like Bannon said Trump said this, and then we have like a real record of the of what's happening, right? I get that part, but it's to me it's often very clear who's 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 saying this. To me too, but I I know you're a smart reader, but I'm saying like the the excerpts, like the people who are reading this are going to be like actually Trump makes a lot. It's like, but. That's that's why I'm doing this. Like, I don't think you're gonna sell Trump to people who aren't sold on Trump right now. Maybe I'm just the book definitely does have that PR aspect, and if a lot of people will read this book, they're gonna come away thinking Donald Trump. He's got some positions they agree with, hmm. and I, 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 maybe he does, but he needs to articulate them. They can't be laundered this way through Bob Woodward. I, I yeah, I don't think. It's just it, to me, it, it felt irresponsible. I, yeah, I, I just I have a different take on it. That's all. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Re- you should read it, I guess. Right? It wasn't informative as far as like mm-hmm. what people want to be seen as saying. Yeah, and then that's how what you take it as. Yeah. yeah. All right. If you're looking for, but as a f- person who's read fan fiction before, <laughs> you will notice some similarities. Am I being outed now? <laughs> no, you can see when somebody is writing fan fiction. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're yeah very much. It's. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. Um, excellent. Do we have anything else we want to talk about? <laughs> no, I think that's it. Uh, thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening, and uh, thanks to. We'll try to do these more often than once a month. <laughs> thanks to Kevin Carter for writing our at- outro music. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah.